thank, thank you. you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure, by the way. So uh-huh. thank you. Welcome back, everyone, by the way. I haven't welcomed you all back to the Black Create Kinet podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have Jasmine Douglas. He's a legend in the making. <laughs> You're an award-winning, award-winning founder of Babes um, on Waves. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you're doing an incredible job, so shout out to you. Oh, thank you. It's been crazy. I can't believe it's only, we're only coming up to our third year birthday this year, which feels mad, but it's yeah, very grateful. Year? Yeah, coming up to third year at the start of May, May oh. 1st, yeah. I thought you was going for longer than that. No, yeah, first first of May, yeah. We we were a year before that. We were kind of like floating about deciding what we wanted to be, mm-hmm. but it wasn't didn't launch as a membership club until the first of May. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, I want to get into all of that, like, oh, yeah, just like going straight into and, it <laughs> and, and everything. Um, but first of all, I kind of want to what I do on my show, right, with every guest is understand a bit more about their journey because I feel like it plays a massive part into who they are today. Mm. So, taking it back a little bit, I read about you that um, what kind of triggered you to want to start Babes on Waves was your own personal experiences throughout university, where you experienced different toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, what was life like before university for you? Because again, I saw you travelled quite a lot and everything, so just talk us through your, your childhood a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So, I was born in New York, okay. and up until... From the time I was born up until I was about like 13, I was moving around a lot. So I, I went to school in like the Caribbean. Um, my parents owned a business in the Caribbean, but it was mainly dealing in like Asian art and antiques. Yeah. So we go to Asia every year and then they fly back and they, you know, furnish like these massive hotels and, you know, doing all these different bits. And we decided to move out there permanently. So when I was about 10. So, yeah, so basically floating between New York, the Caribbean and Bangkok. And then my parents really wanted stability for me. So then when I was 13, I came to the UK to go to boarding school. So, yeah, so it was kind of like all over the place. I went to like seven different schools in my life. Um, All around the world. Yeah, all around the world. And then like three in the UK before I settled settled in sixth form and then came to London on my gap year and went to uni. (laughs) Wow. So a bit hectic, but obviously like very privileged. And it was like very... It was a great upbringing and like lots of like culture and you know mm. experiencing different things. Mm. So going back to like when you travelled from like school to school in different continents and countries, how do you think that those experiences shaped you to who you are today? I think it's quite interesting because obviously like Babes on Waves is primarily dealing in like we we focus on like black brown Asian experiences. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've had people say like, oh, why don't you just do things for, you know, black people or whatever it is. And I've never really wanted to do that because for me, I think growing up, having experienced so many different cultures, I had such like imposter syndrome around. Like when someone asked me like, oh, where are you from? I literally like hate that question so much because I'm like, if I go into the whole story, it seems like I'm trying to like brag and, you know, make myself a bigger deal. But you know, I used to say, oh, I'm from America, but I don't feel American, but I don't feel Nigerian, which is where my mum is from. Right. Um, I don't feel, you know, completely Thai. Like, I don't feel completely Caribbean. So I say I'm from London, and then people say, where are you really from? And I'm like, oh! You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it definitely kind of gave me a massive identity crisis, even until this point, where I'm still thinking about it a lot, like that question, where are you oh. from? Um, but, and I feel through that, yeah, it's kind of moulded a lot of my experiences, and I always want to... Everything that I've done has been about how to bring together different cultures and different people into one space and mm. kind of see like the unison in that. Why is that important for you to bring different people from different cultures into one space? 
I think there's just like so much to learn. You know what I mean? Like I think there's obviously a big there's a lot of spaces where we need to have, you know, this is only a female space. This is only mm. a space for black creatives. This is only mm. a space for Asian creatives. Mm. But I, for me, it's like seeing all those different cultures. That's how you can really like learn the most about yourself. And it's mm. so beautiful when like you bring together so many different viewpoints to create something. Mm. Um, so I think it was mostly that really. Mm. With, with that being said, I know you mentioned that when you went from different place, you kind of struggled with imposter syndrome a little bit. Mm. How did you overcome, or did you ever overcome imposter syndrome when you was a child? I think it's hard. I, I definitely still get imposter syndrome. Like now, today, yeah, it depends on the situation. You know what I mean? Like you don't have it now, do you? Oh, Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, so this is a safe space. Yeah, it's a safe space. <laughs> yeah. So like, like so in these kind of scenarios, maybe like a few years ago, I'd have like massive imposter syndrome. Really? Yeah, but like nowadays, I think I've kind of just stopped caring. Maybe yeah. I think like as you get older, not it's not really to do with age, but as you do more things and get more out of your comfort zone, you kind of just realize that everyone is just trying to do the best that they can, and like everyone feels like an imposter. Like I left an, one of my old my last job, I left it to run the business yes but also because it was such a step up for me I was a user researcher in a tech mm. company mm. it was like a mid I went from like an intern to a mid role because mm. I just like I blagged my way other. yeah I just like yeah. blagged it and then I literally was like every day I was like oh my god I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what I'm doing and I left the job because of it and then I speaking to my coworkers and stuff and everyone literally feels like that and it's just people don't talk about it so that's why yeah, it's yeah, you, yeah. the imposter you feel like you're the only one having those thoughts yeah exactly um but yeah, sorry, I'm just rambling. But long story short, I do still get it, but not in the situations where I used to. It always kind of, you grow and you do something new and then you're like, oh, that feels scary. And yeah. yeah, then you learn and that's how it goes. <laughs> so, okay. So with with that being said, so when you um decided, to, well, not decided, I guess when you came to London and you went to boarding school, I haven't met a lot of individuals that have gone to boarding school. Mm. I used to envy people that go boarding school, by the Mm-mm, way. Because no. I, I grew up really strict. So I was thinking, if I can go boarding school, I can live my best life. Do whatever life. you want. Yeah. I can <laughs> Out of town every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, what was it like? What's the reality Ooh, of boarding school? Traumatising. <laughs> traumatising. Literally, it is traumatising. I mean, I'm sure not every school is like that but as someone yeah yeah it wasn't good I wouldn't send my kids to boarding school I'm, I'm, I understand why my parents you know the, why they wanted to send me there and why you know for them it was an experience that they, they never had like my mum was like first generation like Nigerian immigrant like she worked fucking hard for everything she had and when she had her resources she wanted to be able to send her only daughter to you know a school that she always dreamed of you know having freedom and independence but like in reality um, it's just you know these places I was the only like brown girl like only black girl like in you know the in the whole school like you know in what i mean in the whole school um it was just and I, I wanted to be white like i would use like skin bleaching creams like i would like really like horrible i would like tell like racist jokes the crowd full of white children you know i'm obviously a child you at the would time tell i would jokes. tell because because they would laugh and i would feel accepted and you know what i mean and people said to me oh you're not really black and i was like yeah i'm not really black like it was just wow. like an awful awful experience and where everyone is just no one wants to be left out so everyone's picking each other and bullying each other and it's some kind of weird like lord of the flies shit like question right yeah with just going back a little bit with your parents' reasoning behind sending you to boarding school, first of all, what age were you? And what reasoning did, did they give to you at the time? 
So I was 13 and okay. it was because they wanted stability for us. So okay. obviously we were moving around a lot and we'd spend like two terms in the school then one term back in the Caribbean. And I was homeschooled for a bit. Like mm. it was a bit chaotic and they kind of just wanted me and my two brothers all in one school kind of like taken care of while they like flew around kind of doing business. And mm. yeah, so it was for stability mm. really was the main reason. And how, how long did you, um, I guess, wait until you saw your parents again? So was it like every half term that you saw them? Or? So it varied. So okay. it kind of, whenever they could come out there. So sometimes I would see them, you know, every, you know, 12 weeks. Other times, you know, they'd be able to fly in after like six weeks. So it really kind of varied depending. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm thinking, so question, like when you saw your parents, did you tell them about how your experiences at boarding school and you not <laughs> wanting to be black? Um, we never really spoke about it from a race perspective. Like only recently, mm. like in the last like three years, my mum and, ha- and I had a conversation and it was quite a difficult conversation because I think she took the things for me that I was saying to be, you didn't do enough as a parent. You know, this is your fault. This is your, right. you know, whereas she, you know, in her eyes, like she worked, my mom works hard. Like she's the hardest worker that I know. And she's, you know, sacrificed her life for like 10 years, sent us to the school only for your child to turn around and say, I don't think this was the right decision for me. Yeah. And it's how, how do you kind of have that conversation where it's, it's, I'm not saying that you did wrong. You did the best with what you had, um, but it's just wasn't really what you thought it would be. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. So, yeah, so not until very recently we had those discussions, for sure. So when you saw them, you just used to kind of pretend and mask over or you just didn't address it? I think, like, it's it's kind of hard. I think at the time, it's such a weird experience. And I've caught up with some of my friends who I haven't seen since I was, like, 15. I'm all catching up now and stuff. Oh. And at the time, I think, as a protective thing, we didn't really realise the extent of how miserable we kind of were it's mm. literally you protect yourself by mm. bullying other or projecting onto others you know um so i think that's the kind of mindset that we were in it wasn't mm. it wasn't very self-reflective it wasn't like this is wrong it was just this is what it is you know mm. like i would i would when i go home i would like cry i'd, I'd want to fly back to go to you know a friend's house or a party. i didn't want to be with my family i wanted to be back in there in the school because it'd be, you almost become like codependent on each other it becomes a weird little ecosystem um but yeah, it was interesting. So you so you became codependent on your other white friends, basically? I think so, yeah. I just okay. wanted to be white, you know? With everything in me, I wanted to be white. Like, you know, you know, when you play these, like, yeah. games or whatever, like, on the computer, always make, a, like, a little white avatar with, like, blonde hair, like, blue eyes. Really? Like, yeah, like, it was not good. <laughs> what do you think led to you wanting to be white, though? Because I remember in school... Um, we I, I went to a very um, mixed school growing up, mm. but we did. I remember having people that joined the school that were of a similar mindset to what you're describing, mm. and we didn't understand it. We were like, "Why do you not want to be black? Like black yeah. is cool. Like I don't. We don't understand it." And then we then used to project. Oh, we used to bully them and be like, "You're not representing who you are." Mm. So, but then when I later on had conversations with them, like even as an adult. I understood that they came from, like, even my best friend, she went to a predominantly white school before she came to our secondary school. Mm. So that so that experience shaped how she wanted to be at that time. So what do you think it was that contributed towards you wanting to completely, like, be a white person? I think it, it was exactly that, like you said, like, your mm. friend. It's kind of if you grow up in, like, the most pivotal years of your life, you know what I mean? And yeah. even, like, except for when I lived in the Caribbean, mm. you know, I was always the only black girl like in school really like even like 
young as like when I was living in Thailand, you know, I love Thailand. Like I love Bangkok. I still go there That's a lot. So <laughs> it's like my favorite place ever. But you know, it still has its problems. Like, I remember in Bangkok when I was like ten, I had to, I got sent next door to the class to bring um, some music books, whatever, to our class next door. And there was a guy sat down, and I was like, "Can you hand me the books?" He wouldn't touch me because I was black, and I was what like ten years old. You know what I mean? And so I think you have these things ingrained in you from when you're so young. Everyone around you not even talking about like the media like we didn't have like in boots like fucking Fenty like back in the day right like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean all the stuff and it kind of just really sub just becomes like a subconscious thing that you t- like you just internalize right mm. um but yeah it was really sad you know so when did that change I would say when I moved to London so as late yeah. as from when I was literally like so I moved to London when I was 18 on my gap year. I was meant to stay for two weeks and then go to Bristol mm. with like everyone from my school. Mm. And then I moved here and I was like, oh my God, it's just, I feel like I'm free. Um, you know, really? I, like, I remember the day because I wore my hair natural and I'd never done that before in my whole life. No, none of my friends had ever seen my natural hair. What would they see? Like um, weaves back in the day. Yeah, just when you was in school. When I was in school, just have weaves. I'd have, what do you know how to take care of? But I'd have weave in. in school. Yeah, for like, eight weeks at a time like you know it was just like you know, I just would not let anyone see my natural did hair did you do the weave yourself no no I'd come to London with my mum and then we'd go down to Brixton and then yeah and she didn't know either we just kind of like yeah she was like can you just help her like yeah put a weave on her um at 13 yeah like, well like, like wow. when I was 13 I had break, break you know the pick and drop like oh, yeah I remember, I remember yeah the pick and drop. that was for those that don't know the pick and drop. you're too young for this podcast <laughs> I remember that, yeah. You used to pick and drop your hair out. Yeah. Because you literally flatten a little bit and then it was just. And then they can kind of cover the braids. Yeah. yeah, Like, God forbid anyone see, like, a braid. Exactly. Um, But but that's. So you had weave and. um, I had weaves from when I was 15. Okay. um, But I had pick and drop when I was 13. Okay. And before that, I would relax, you know, menstruation. So then when you used to have those, um, I guess, those interim moments when you used to come to Brixton to get your hair done. Because Brixton's very, very. Especially back then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very, very black. Mm. So did you ever feel like, oh, yeah, this is like. Never. 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 Because at that point, it was so internalized. I was just like, you know, I'm not part of this community at all you know i'm just here to get my hair done i'm not gonna interact not gonna do anything did you you think that you were better or or, and it's it's okay to kind of be honest and talk like that if you because i because we're having an open conversation yeah did you have the mindset that white was better and then because i identified as white i am a bit superior to everyone else it was kind of like because i didn't even identify as white but i was like if i could be white i would be better you know, it right. was more like that. It was like, wow. yeah. So, like, and that was the constant tension where I was like, you know what I mean? Like, at school, I am the black girl. Yeah, you know, like yeah, people yeah. describe me as the black girl. Like, when someone's yeah. trying to, who is that? But then I'd come, you know, to other places. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not black. I'm not white. Like, I, I just, Don't I, know where yeah, yeah, definitely. But and I think that's part of it as well, because, you know, obviously, like, I am, I am mixed and, I didn't really feel like I belonged in the black community anyway. Like yeah. I was like, I, I just don't really know which group I feel yeah. close to. Like none of them. Um, I appreciate you for being really honest because this is something that I've always thought about, but I've never really spoken about because I'm not, I'm not mixed race, mm-hmm. but I've got mixed race cousins, some mixed race friends. And I've also, I've always thought it must be quite difficult for someone that's mixed race to know where, who to identify with more um because yeah like again 
the black you're, you're not fully black <laughs> you're not fully white you're just kind of in the middle so I guess how did you when you had that conversation with your mum mm. what did she advise you what did she say to you to how to manage that I think she just doesn't really know because again her experience as a like a black woman as a Nigerian immigrant like it's right. so different to my experience like right, and right, kind right. of the privileges that I've had as a result of her hard work so it's like it's not really something that we've been able to have a proper dialogue about really okay. um honestly I would say the main way that I've the conversation I've had is some other mixed friends or whatever who I've made as a result of being in London or not even mixed like it comes down to like I feel like I relate more strongly with like a lot of other international people where mm. you know it doesn't really matter what you look like but it's that sense of you don't really know where's home and no matter where I might say to you like Bangkok's my home but someone you know s- s- might come in the room and say like what does she mean Bangkok's her home she's not Asian like what what are you doing like mm. if you don't know me you might just think I'm being a dick you know what mm. I mean um so yeah I feel like only through those conversations with like really international people I've kind of started to think about this stuff and like verbalize it because mm. I didn't for so long um mm. but yeah do you ever find yourself gravitating towards people, apart from people that have similar international experiences, but do you find yourself gravitating to people that share the same values as you in general? So regardless of their, their race, background, definitely. whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like at the end of the day, like it's there's such value, obviously, with speaking to people who have the same background as you or who look like you because there'll be a lot of things you have in common. But mm. what it comes down to, and again, like what babes and waves at, the, at its core, I say our primary focus, yes, is like black, brown and Asian women and non-binary people. Mm. But we we are open to, you know, white, queer people as well because they've mm. had experiences of being marginalised mm. and then off the back of that, it's kind of informed their values and who they are today. Mm. So for me, when I say like, I care about genuine diversity, like mm. that's what I care about, like, I envision like on my board I want people from all backgrounds I don't care where you're from mm. like, I just want like we care about the same things we have the same values yeah, we're out yeah, here yeah. trying to make the same change in the world exactly um yeah that's all I really want <laughs> I love that and I think you're in a good position to do that because you do have that um I guess that international blend of different cultures and, and insights because I often get asked as well like I was asked this week actually by an intern that I hired who's from India and she was like maybe you can do India Create Connect and I said yeah I'm open to it but I'm also conscious of how the Indian community might take that mm. me owning that yeah I, and, and I said someone else I'm happy to empower someone else that's a part of that community to do it because I want it to feel like it's led by someone that understands the experiences so I feel like you're in a really good position to lead out in this particular initiative because you have those mixed experiences does it make sense definitely and I think that's again why I say like obviously yeah it wasn't the easiest but Mm. I'm aware that it was like a massive privilege you know what I mean and it's put me in a position today where I feel like no matter who I'm in a room with, I can usually have a conversation with that person and go on, and get on with that monsieur if I can dig. But you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I feel like... <laughs> Putting that aside, like... <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I, I've got kind of... I, I can usually find some kind of point of connection or like reliability. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful to my parents for that mm. and for instilling that in me. And it's something that I would want for my own child. Like I hope mm. to raise my... If, if the funds allow it like <laughs> I hope to you one will. day <laughs> yeah being aggressively positive this week remember but um yeah I hope to one day like raise my child like that as well so exactly but not sending them to a boarding school <laughs> you've learned that that's not the best be a support group anyone out there hit me up <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're back to you came to London you was meant to come for two weeks but you ended up staying 
what happened? Tell us. Like, where did you go? What what convinced you to stay? Tell us. Oh, this is so bad. But I had such a bad habit up until I literally I launched my business. Of I would just like do whatever the boy that I fancied at the oh, time. Wow. Was. <laughs> but do you know what? I appreciate your. <laughs> I'm being honest because come on, like if you say you haven't done that before, you're a liar. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I best friend at the time messy situationship vibes he was like come to london because he was going to london after school and i was supposed to go to bristol like i said mm. and i was like yeah i could come for two weeks stay with you it's all chill stayed and then he was like come to king's and i was like okay and then he yeah. dropped, dropped out of like, <laughs> my place and i like, went through like ucas extra whatever like they didn't even have the course that i wanted at king's i was like film studies i can do film studies like clicked on it I was like, i'll just change when i get there this boy did not even go to King's in the end. <laughs> he changed his mind and we fell out like halfway through the gap year. And I was like, guess I'm still going to King's. But yeah, no regrets. It worked out for the best. I'm just being honest you know, with you. No, but, no, but I, the thing is, I appreciate your honesty and I respect it because sometimes we do make decisions because of love at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Love. <laughs> or because of like or lust, whatever yeah. it is. We do, we do. Men, women, boy, whoever. It happens. But, um, so I guess, <laughs> when you, first of all, you stayed with him. Where did you live when you guys fell out? Mate. <laughs> I was like first homeless for a week. I was like eating cracker. I, oh my God, man. Where did man. you stay? Um, I, I literally just stayed at friends' houses and then my, I had, my so my dad's side of family so his sister lives in london my aunt and i hadn't spoken to that side of my family in a while because of family drama and you know my mum wasn't speaking to them they weren't speaking to my mum and i literally just messaged them and i was like can i come stay for a month please and they were like yep and i've been living there now for like eight years <laughs> so <laughs> if you get the message from a family member saying can i stay for a month don't <laughs> Just be prepared to have them for eight oh, years. Honestly, <laughs> every year I'm like, should I move out? And they're like, mm, you don't. And I'm like, mm, but rent prices are going up, so I'll just wait for them to go back down. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you must be um, really easy to live with, though, because I can imagine if you were really difficult, they'd have been like, you got you on your own, Jasmine. That's what I like to tell myself. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> so okay, perfect. So you managed to to live there. You're, you're in Kings. How did you find the course that you didn't want to cho- choose? choose but you chose anyway so yeah it was random again so so many ups and downs long story short again so got to king's i was like i'll just change my course like i wanted to do english that's what i was supposed to to do at bristol that's what i wanted to do Mm. i was i'll just wait till someone drops out of english six weeks later like no one dropped out and i was like it's like it's exams in like five weeks and i've not been to a single lecture and i don't really have a course i was just like going out with my friends um and so i went to i tried to get on ppe it was full tried to get on economics it was full international politics it was full you were just going all over i was going i had a list and then my flatmate did philosophy she was like just come do philosophy and i was like i can do philosophy and that's how i chose my degree and ended up 80k in debt or whatever student (laughs) So yeah. So you just literally just chose your just find the waves. Do you know what you you go with the flow and yeah. and I've, and in life to be fair with you sometimes you know unexpected situations happen and they land you. It's just a part of your journey. Exactly. You always end up where you need to be. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So did you enjoy philosophy? I felt like it sent me into lots of breakdowns, but really because it's just so existential. It's just constant thinking about existence and who am I and what is my place in this world and 
you know, what is... How what does is, it do that, though? How's what, sorry? Like, how does it do that? Like It was just, okay, so... An example I would say, so I, one of our lectures, I can't remember what the topic was. I think it was not metaphysics. It was something. And we went in and professor or whatever had on the board, like what, like pain is C5. Like scientifically, it's like the, when you feel pain, it's like something C fibers firing in your brain, some kind of nervous system. I've oh. definitely butchered that. So no, no, no one fact check me, but something like that. So okay. he's like, pain is C fibers firing. They're like, okay, but we need to define like, what is pain and what is C fibers? He was like, okay, so what is the experience of pain? How do we know that my pain is your, is the same as what you call pain? Like, and he was like, okay, then I stop. We need to talk about what is, is, what do we mean by equal too like and i was just like oh my god please i'm like hungover it's like 9 a.m like can we just <laughs> chill <laughs> yeah, yeah um but i liked i really liked it yeah yeah looking back i don't know whether i would have gone to uni at all but okay. i think it was an interesting subject and it definitely changed the way that i think i think why would you have not gone to uni at all i'm just like unless you want to be an academic or you want to learn engineering or doc be a doctor or something for me i don't know if it's worth it because i met, met so many amazing people who didn't go to university mm. who've ended up like right where i am further than where i am mm. um and they don't have that debt so that's mm. kind of my reasoning for it what are some of the positives from university apart from thinking a lot yeah um, <laughs> what are some of the things that you did gain from uni uh, student loan like like that maintenance <laughs> loan <laughs> no joking no no mm. <laughs> i'd say money, yeah i honestly found a, a tweet that i did a few years ago and it was like "Ooh, no interest overdraft equals free money and i ended up like 6k in debt like after uni like as in like not even student that's loans normal. like personal yeah that's normal exactly but don't feel away if you're in debt after university it's normal yeah every everyone is yeah. you know what i mean um but yeah i would say it was good to have space to kind of really think for a few mm. years about what you want to do mm. the societies i would say are like the re the, the main thing mm. um so i had an extra year because i had some mental health stuff in my second year so I took an extra year just to do my dissertation and in that year I joined like podcasting society radio show DJ society and I just like tried out I had a I had a podcast had a radio show whatever and I just tried out lots of different things and even though I didn't continue it like to this day Mm. it kind of helped me shape like what I was interested in what I wasn't interested in and everything that I do today at Babes and Waves is definitely like an amalgamation of like Mm. a bunch of different stuff that I tried during that time so you mentioned that you went through mental health stuff and you kind of whizzed past it mm. are you okay talking about it yeah definitely what happened so long story I keep saying long story short and then I proceed to tell you every don't, single it's, detail it's, it's okay it's a podcast not yeah, a yeah. Note. Okay. You, don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't need to make long story short honestly it's so conscious of like yeah, no don't, don't worry it's fine so I had, I'm trying to be sensitive to other people involved in the story and not overshare their parts okay, of it. no problem. But essentially, I moved in with a group of friends mm-hmm. and one of, well, two of them had a lot of their own mental health struggles and it led to a lot of people kind of moving out. So it was just three, like three of us in the house, mm-hmm. including, you know, two people who was kind of issues mm-hmm. um and i ended up in a relationship with one of the people mm-hmm. and it was just crazy like it was just absolutely mad so up and down um they were struggling with like addiction and then i was very in that you know and, and i was kind of enabling them a lot because i couldn't see past 
you know, me and that person. And it just kind of triggered like a lot of stuff in me. And I be- it became, it was very like obsessive, codependent, toxic, enabling. And it kind of just continued on and off for about two and a half years, really. Um, so essentially that obviously affected my mental health. All I was doing was thinking about this person and helping, like I wasn't going to uni, I was just looking at, made myself the caretaker. No one asked me to be the caretaker. For two years essentially like on and off but one year was like really really intense the first year and so yeah I just couldn't I was completely like broken essentially and I couldn't I couldn't focus how can you focus on going to a lecture or writing an essay when you've got all this stuff in your mind so I yeah I I just kind of didn't get my stuff in on time and I took an extra year just to really take my time with it and I would say like to anyone in university and going through those kind of issues like you know, I mean, it's okay to defer for so for so long. I was like, do I defer? Like, I'm a failure. Like, I'm not going to graduate the same time as all my friends. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, on my best friend's graduation, who I was meant to graduate with, I went to go see her. And I was just, like, crying in the bath. I was like, I was like oh, I just feel like an idiot. But you know what I mean? Like, that year was so key to me, like I said, trying out stuff and, like, really mm. learning about who I am. Mm. Um, I did the most growth I've ever done in my life in that year, probably. But was it your hardest year? Yeah, absolutely, one of my hardest years. Um, but that's kind of when you have moments of growth, isn't it? Like, whenever you dip down, it's, like, an opportunity to really kind of, like, go back up again. But, yeah, it was kind of... It wasn't the start of, like, a mental health issue. I feel like I've always had ongoing stuff, but it was definitely, like, a real low point for me. When you say that you've had um, ongoing things, has this is this stemming from childhood, from you travelling a lot, you going to boarding school, or is this, mm. like, more when you moved to London? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm. And it's hard, because I feel like I'm not someone... I don't really have a lot of childhood memories, which apparently is a sign of things aren't okay, so you kind of block things out. But mm. I would say... You know, my dad died when I was 16 and I didn't... I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's, it's it's such a weird thing. Like, I never I never processed it ever. Like, literally, like... I'm so, One thing you, know, you need to know about me is I'm very stubborn. Like, very yeah. stubborn. So, so I left my school. Dad died in the summer and then I started a new school in September. Mm-hmm. And then I got put into therapy. Like, they didn't really ask me. They're just like, you're going to therapy. Was and your family? Or no, my school? my school. So okay. it's just like virtually random people who I'd never met before. But like, you need you need therapy. Mm-hmm. And then my therapist would tell me, make sure you don't bottle up your feelings. And I literally every night out of spite would like imagine myself putting my feelings in a box and like putting it away. Like you know what I mean? Like really kind of just as a fuck you to these people, um, which obviously <laughs> ended up really affecting me. Um, so yeah, so I said that was kind of maybe the start but then you know it probably goes back before that to like internalize racism and all this and like self-esteem mm. issues but yeah it's definitely been like up and down i'd say throughout my life do you think that um plays a part in you feeling like you were an enabler because i heard you say that quite a lot in the conversation that you felt like you were an enabler um do you mm. feel like that paid like did you give yourself that label or was that something that you identified like mm. what I think it's, it's funny, like, at the time, like, a lot of our other friends in the house who moved out, and they were like, you're enabling him. And I'd be like, no, I'm not enabling him, you're just a bad friend. And so I think in the beginning, it was a label that people gave me, and, mm-hmm. you know, whether rightly so, whatever. Yeah. But I think upon reflection and therapy and, you know, I would say that I was enabling, because at the end of the day, like, mm-hmm. it's not your... You can really care about someone, and you can really be there for some for someone, but it's not your job to make anyone else's struggle your own like everyone you can support people but 
only you can pull yourself out mm. of situations like that. And, you know, looking back, I was constantly making myself like, oh, my value comes from rescuing other people. And no one, yeah, I mean, he, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't, I mean, he didn't help himself. Like, he would basically, mm. not force me, but he mm. wouldn't turn down help. But at the same time, like, I'm the only one there you know i'm the one missing my lectures i'm the one letting this interfere with my boundaries mm. you know i mean i could have just said no that's enough like i'm here for you but when you're ready to talk i'll you know i'm here mm. rather than putting myself into that drama and into that mm. situation mm. um so yeah i definitely was an enabling you know and how did you kind of identify and finally come out of that and get and get to the other side it took a long time um it took a long time and I don't even know. Honestly, I think it was through the business. Like, I would say... Through Babes on Waves. Through Babes on Waves. Like, honestly, I would say... Because when I first kind of had the idea, not even for what it is today, but like I said, like a year before we launched, mm. I was kind of... I was like, I just need to do something for myself and I need to, like, learn who I am. I just, I just want to put all that energy into something good. Mm. I would say that's probably what saved me. You know, that's when I started actually, like, putting myself first and saying no to things that weren't good for me. Um, mm. So, yeah, I always say I business started as like a self-care thing for me almost really it was never initially about you know I want to grow and have a personal brand and all this it was I just want something that's good for myself that makes me feel like I'm growing um yeah I feel that so much because it's interesting because people say to me all the time Alicia you need to rest you need to put yourself first I'm like business makes me feel relaxed in a weird way or doing stuff makes me feel this it feeds me mm. like it, it grows me it nurtures me and I feel like that's probably what babes and waves like what you mentioned it, it did for you as well at the time definitely and I think it's always interesting because sometimes I have people kind of ask me like how do I be a founder how do I be how do I how do I run a business and I'm not saying that you can't ever of course you can learn whatever you want in your life but I don't know I feel like a lot of people who I've met like who are founders and have been do they've always kind of done stuff and it's that innate you know drive that you want to produce things you want to be putting stuff out even if you had no audience you you'd be doing a podcast or you'd be doing something you know what i mean um and it's kind of the the, the bad side of that is that's where stuff like addiction to work comes in right and mm -hmm. that's where mm -hmm. it becomes a coping mechanism and mm -hmm. like yes work makes me feel relaxed mm -hmm. but at the same time it's i overwork to the point where i've I get headaches every day and I'm not seeing any friends. I'm not eating. I'm not going on walks. Mm. Like, all I'm doing is working because mm. I feel anxious. And that's the only mm. thing that I know to mm. do mm. to have a handle on my life. And mm. I'm sure, I mean, maybe you, I'm not, not going to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you can relate, you know, a hundred percent. Like it's, it's crazy because sometimes like I genuinely feel drained. I genuinely feel tired. I feel like, Oh my goodness. I'm, you know, like everything, things are unbalanced mm. because I, I can admit that's something I'm working on. I'm a workaholic. Mm. Like there's friends that I haven't seen for a long time that are my close friends because I'm like, I've got to do work. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's almost, you get like, like I have a thing where I'll get, I'll get annoyed for no reason. Like a friend will, an old friend will message me. Do you want to go for dinner? I almost get annoyed because in my head, I'm like, don't you know that I have work to do? And I'm like, that's so messed up. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, I thought I was the only one. No. Like, I'm like, do you not know? Like, oh, how nice to go for dinner. Yeah, like, how are you here asking me? Li no, literally, <laughs> even um, over the weekend, my friend called me at 10pm, which I think is, you know, I think it was like 9, 10pm saying, do you want to go out, go out for shisha? 
And I was like, no, I'm working. Yeah, like, are how you, dare you? How, are you mad? <laughs> like, I figured I'm working. And she's not doing anything wrong. She's yeah. asking a fair question. Yeah. And and actually, it was the week before, again, my other friend, they wanted to go out. And I think maybe because I've got, I've, I also do have, admittedly, I do have a lot of different friends. So I think I get frustrated because of, it's every week, like, someone wants to go out. I'm like, you guys, I've got things to do. Mm. And I'm taking it out on that person that, that hasn't seen me for six months. So, <laughs> so but, but we're completely derailing here. But I, but I feel you. Um, but I'm glad that, that that was kind of like a, almost like a wake-up call for you. What was the, okay, so when you first started Babes on Waves, mm. um, you said you planned it before you launched it. What was that process like? What was, so, the light bulb moment? And then what was the intention? Talk, talk to me about the beginning. So, in the precursor to Babes and Waves, I'd been, so my last year at uni, my extra year, my fourth year, I was kind of, yeah, podcasting, um, running events, so I, I had, like, three club nights that I was kind of running separately, doing all this stuff, and I was like, this is all great, but it's not really, I was like, I, I don't know what I want to do, and I was like, okay, cool, I've got an idea, I want to do, I want to do a magazine, an online magazine, mm. and my friend back in uni, she actually came up with the name Babies on Waves, lol, um, but I tra- trademarked it now, so yeah. it's all, <laughs> um, I hope she doesn't see this, but anyway, <laughs> so she, whenever we were like getting drunk, she'd be like, Babies on Waves, Babies on Waves, getting tipsy, and I just love that feeling, you know, yeah. like, like a bit flirty, a bit fun, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna call it Babies on Waves, um, and then I worked really hard on the, on interviews, I was like, it's gonna be tech babes, music babes, up and coming, cool people, whatever. Worked really hard on the first online issue, whatever. Published it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I hate making content." I was like, "I hate this so much." How, how long? Like, so, so was this the first magazine? So this was like it was like online, like just some online articles and stuff. And okay. it probably took like five months to to, to make the website, it, to, make the website. And to do the interviews. Did you yeah. do it yourself? Yeah, so did it all myself. Um, in that initial stage. And then, yeah, I was like, I hate making content. I need to brainstorm new ideas. <laughs> like, but, hold on. Before we get on to what you're going to say, how many interviews did you have? I, I did like six interviews. In five months? Yeah, but I think I, had, no, no, I, I think, I think, I think three people wrote three and ah, I wrote three. I see, I something see, like I that. See. But I was like, I just hate like the process of editing and writing. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm an ideas person. I'm not like a, you know. But creating a website in five months is still good. Because yeah. because it's, it took me it took me a whole year last year. I'll take that. I'll, I'll take the compliment. <laughs> it took me a whole year and to get a couple of blogs out. Like, it was so. very basic. Like don't imagine it was. I can literally show you. I'll maybe send you after the first yeah, draft. Send, send it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did it and I was like, it's not a good idea for me to do a magazine. I think I was like, it's, gonna, it's a one-off thing, guys. It's not a series anymore. It's a one-off magazine. Um, but I want to talk to people and I had no idea who to talk to. And my best, it was me and my best friend who yeah. also had an idea. And I was like, let's try and find more people. And I don't know if you've heard of Future Girl Corp. Um, they're like an organization. I think they were set up by Charmaine and Reed a few years ago, like mm. literally like 10 years ago or something. Mm. Uh, at the time, they had a 100-page how to build a business type thing, mm. just like A4 sheets of paper. And the idea was you could like meet up in your own Future Girl Corp groups and you could like discuss each chapter together. Mm. And I was like, okay, I want to do that. But I don't want to just like do it virtually or whatever. Like I want to make a massive... It's not always extra, right? So I was like, I want to blah, blah, blah. And then I spoke to someone at Future Girl Corp and they helped me put together some like assets some social media stuff. They advertised it and about 30 women, you know, replied to my story and they were like, yes, we, we would love to meet up and discuss. And at that point, so this was like maybe, this was December of 
December before the pandemic. So 2019? Yeah. And yeah. it kind of, from the, out of those 30, there were like 10 core people who would actually come in every week. And then it gets to the pandemic. So at this point, we just meet it once a month. I would like prepare less, like take the lesson plan, do lots of research, put together slides, whatever. And we like discuss our business ideas. And then it, the so, pandemic yeah. comes. And then I'm like, okay, fuck. Um, I like this way more than my day job. You know, how can I do this as a full-time thing mm. and i'd never heard of like membership clubs before and i just mm. did some research i found some but none of them were run by anyone black or asian or mm. anything it was all white women and mostly white members mm. so i was like how can this not exist for someone like me mm. i was like this is i'm already doing it um so yeah essentially spoke to those 10 members and I was like, you know, you're happy to chuck in some money every month and we'll use that to pay for professionals to do these workshops, not just, you know, me Googling. <laughs> no, no, it's true, yeah. Um, and they were like, yeah. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> so, and it's anticlimactic. But yeah, that was it. It was like really organic, basically. It wasn't really planned. I just kind of fell into it. And from there, it and just... And it made sense. Yeah, and then by... That was like May. And then by summer... Yeah, it was May 2020. That's when we like officially launched as a membership club. And then by July, we had like 70 people. Um, so it grew really quickly. What? Yeah. That's incredible. Just because people, it's just crazy. It's like, That's it just incredible. did not exist. You know what I mean? Like, how, much, how much do you charge for membership? So back then we charged £15 a month, which mm. looking back, basically cheap. <laughs> Literally could not do anything. But so now it varies. We've got, now we've got a whole system. Different, we've got yeah. Yeah, different tiers. We've got um, different like scholarship tiers income-based tiers so mm -hmm. anywhere from 15 pounds still like the lowest for people on low income and then it goes up to i think it's 30 pounds a month now okay. for to get access to everything and on the normal price yeah what so okay so what were you offering then and what are you offering now just to compare so back then it was one workshop a month and basically led by me um or like a Q and A a month, mm. and then and that was it. Mm. And then now we do we we do like monthly pairings. So let's say you join as a member, you can choose if you want to be matched in March with an accountability partner, so someone you speak to every week, the same person every week for a month, and it's like you checking up about your goals. You say you're going to do something, and that person holds you accountable. Mm. Or a friendship pairing, which is like you just saying that you want to meet someone, and it's like matchmaking. Mm. So I'll, I do this bit myself. I'll go through everyone who's opted in, and I'll try pair them according to. It's like dating, like it's so fun. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, I should give that away to make time for myself, but I love doing it. <laughs> um, we still do like workshops. We've got like mentoring now. We've got our grant database. We have a PR database, but we're not doing that anymore. What's the grant database? So it's like funding's been like a massive, it's a big thing for everyone, but grants are literally the only way that I'm still able to do what I do. So, really? Yeah, so I've got about 70K in grants over really? the time. Yeah, and like people just don't know about grants because you think they're inaccessible. And I was like, I'm going to make it my mission to get grants. And so through that every month like we find all the best open grants for creatives for founders black women asian women etc and we put them in a database and then you can see which Take ones are relevant out. to you yeah do you help people with grant applications as well yeah so i'm always happy to like look over like a member's grant application and give feedback i'm doing a grant course i've got a mini course at the moment with just like the basic questions that everyone always asks me but i'm in the planning stages of doing a proper small business grants course now okay yeah to try and just make it like really accessible because they just these for all these funding bodies just make it as hard as possible for like yeah. small people to small businesses to 
I mean, I've, I think I've had for like one, I didn't get it, and I just thought, oh, this is long. This right. is the thing. <laughs> this is long. It's a numbers this game, is, though. It's, it's, it's long. So, how, I guess, for those that are looking, I know we, we kind of derailed a bit, and we're going to get back onto babes and ways and your offerings, but just for people that want to know, aka myself. <laughs> 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 Funding, oh my God. <laughs> what are the key things people need to include or consider when they're applying for funding? I feel like I should know this, like, this. Feel off the top time. of my head, it's all good. but I would say the main things are, um, as in like people that you will get asked when you're applying or things that you should prepare. So, maybe whatever they need to know. So, what do they need to prepare, and also what do they need to consider when they're putting in the application? So, validation is definitely the biggest thing. Like, you'd be surprised the amount of people who apply to something but they've not done any work. And this is what I'm saying about like a true okay. entrepreneur. At the end of the day, like you've got that innate thing where you're not like, oh, if you give me 50k or 10k, then I can do it. No, uh, like if you're you a true founder, you've found a way through it. You've either you've. Ho- I'm not saying you have to go fucking build an app. I'm allowed to swear on this. Just do what, Sorry. We, no, <laughs> I was like, have asked. Has been like, wait. <laughs> I was well, like, if, if you're not, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but no, like, it's, it's fine. Be you. It's cool. Fine. Um, but yeah, like they haven't done anything. Like, yeah, host an event or have a mailing list. Validate that idea to show that people care about what you want. Otherwise, okay. why should the examiner or whatever I don't okay, know what they're cool. called care tick, tick, tick. yeah validation <laughs> good um you need to make it super clear as well the problem that you're solving and like a lot of people be cool. like oh but my brand doesn't doesn't solve problems just make it about something yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like why should they care about this yeah. like on paper you say oh I run an accessories brand that's I'm sorry but it's boring yeah. like like what is it about it that makes it that's disruptive or you know it's, interesting or new or mm-hmm. who are your target customers like what is the mission behind the company mm-hmm. that's what they really care about so it's like a good mix of the fluffy stuff and the numbers the validation perfect, perfect. tick 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead Jeff. oh god I can't even remember the right th- oh, to Isn't be honest it? those are the two biggest things. things oh third thing that I would say definitely and these kind of covered if you get these three things right you're like already like way ahead a lot of the people mm. um, the third one is how you're actually going to use the money because so many mm. people and I'm not people so, not two things Sometimes people, a lot of people don't know and they're not going to give you money if you don't, if you're like, I don't know, I just need to grow my business. Like they want to know the breakdown. Like I would always say, okay, I'm applying for 5,000 pounds of funding. If you give me this 5,000 pounds, 2,000 will go towards a social media manager for over six months and their goals will be this. This is how I'll measure the su- their success. And then 400 pounds is going to go towards buying this new laptop and blah, blah, blah. So break it down literally cost mm. by cost and justify each cost. Mm. Um, Cause yeah, and and you and the second thing, you don't need to stick to it. So like, mm. a lot of people say, oh, but I don't really know how much it's gonna cost. It doesn't matter. Like mm. most grants, check the fine print, but most grants won't hold you accountable. They just want to see that you thought about it. Mm. And I'm not mm. saying go in there and lie and spend it all mm. on like mm. fucking facials, whatever. Mm. But you know what I mean. Just <laughs> don't get so caught up that you don't do it at all. Mm. Um, mm. I've changed what I was gonna spend the money on on like every grant that I've got. So which is understandable. Yeah, because you learn and you grow. You might apply, then six months later you hear back, you get the money, and by that point your business is completely different. Like yeah, they exactly. understand exactly. Um, so when you say six months later, people can expect to actually receive the grant a year, six months later. That's how long it can take. Yeah, it really depends. So I don't, fuck, I don't know how to say what. There was a grant that I that I was awarded. <laughs> okay. There was a grant that I was awarded and last year, and I applied in October, heard back December, and then didn't get the money until 
Easter, like late Easter. Okay. So the timeline, so don't count on that money to save you straight away. Some of them you'll hear about quickly, but some of them you won't. So yeah. please don't be quitting your jobs and saying I'm going to apply for grants because I know some people might be listening or watching and thinking, yep, going to apply for grants, don't. get an idea. Please don't do that. Please do not do that. <laughs> do not, especially not in this like, not yeah, economic climate. Yeah, disclaimer so you don't get sued. Right, honestly. <laughs> so, okay, so apart from, um, so grants, Grants, people have access to workshops. What else do members um, receive if they join? The main thing is the community. So we've got like our right. private membership group and that's kind of where like all of, I'm going to say the magic that's so cringe, but that's where like everything happens. So, you know, people commit, you've got, you know, a community literally of like over 200 people waiting just like a message away. Um, and in that we share jobs, opportunities, speaking gigs. So lots of members have gone on to work with like brands, companies, got new clients, literally just purely through our chat mm. and we'll always try and connect to you so our team's very active mm. so a lot of communities you join them and you kind of just you know it's like a ten thousand people and you're like no one knows Nothing i'm here fair, yeah. yeah we try to learn everyone's name and what they do in that way any post that comes up we'll tag all the relevant people so that mm, we're actually yeah. directing things to you mm. and that's probably the biggest you know valuable thing mm, mm. and then we do other things we've got like our members newsletter where if you can't be bothered to be on slack because i hate slack now but it, mm. um, we just condense everything in a neat little email with all the grants all the jobs everything going um yeah how often do you send those weekly or monthly so every other week at the moment okay. because i'm like do you send a weekly email i don't read emails weekly i read emails like once every three weeks i don't either <laughs> and i'm guessing you have a team that work with you for both the months yeah so, we, so we've, i've got a part-time team so I've got a content person, she's great, she does a few hours a week, community manager does a few hours a week, and then operations person. Mm. But we actually are hiring at the moment, so... Oh, what are you hiring for? Advertise the role. So, we are hiring a operations manager, so if you... I'm going to say if you love admin. <laughs> Some people love admin. I want someone who genuinely loves admin. I don't know if that person exists, but if you do, please... <laughs> 100% there's loads of VAs you know what I mean yeah, like guess what I want like someone yeah. who just is like loves like getting into getting, like and their attention they, to detail exactly because my attention to detail is absolutely poor me lie. neither like <laughs> I always put on the thing no typos and then I was like as in like what kind of person and then I'm like in the job post there'll be so many typos because like, yeah. I'm just so just yeah, no, I have to typos galore. <laughs> yeah Mixed so I need that person to balance me out yeah yeah that um, makes sense full time or part time part time and then we're also hiring a community manager. So again, it can be a bit technical. So it's not just like a lot of people when they hear community, they think just social media now when it's not that. It's about the retention and scale of our community and looking at metrics and data and all that stuff. So, But you have to do lots of fun things. You get to host events for us. Exactly. You get to meet amazing people. Every single person who's worked with me has gone on to have like a really, I'm not saying just i also hire amazing people it's not just they, the amazing ways but they they, they, they yeah. progress and they do that's, what they want to do yeah yeah that's the whole point do you know what there's so many similarities with babes on waves and what i'm doing with black create connect because we have we started on whatsapp amazing and we, and we still have whatsapp i don't know if you know about whatsapp community Commun yeah it's such a good feature i feel Sick feature. i was like oh i feel like that'd be make my life easier See, <laughs> well yes and no because now i definitely need to get another number because mm. my whatsapp's crazy the blending is just not it's, healthy it's, like it's yeah it's mad right now like i can't separate personal and um like community message because i still want to be responsive to the community members but at the same time it's a lot mm. i literally just got a community manager last week and um i hope it works out please fingers crossed um, honestly <laughs> that community manager job is like so, so essential like so essential. peace of mind you just need yeah. someone in the middle just honestly to, yeah because as much as you want to be accessible as a founder i'm sure 
it can get it can take a lot from you to consistently be in touch with the community and be communicating definitely and like yeah. at the end of the day it people i think as you grow people see it more as customer service i'm like yeah you know what i mean and then they'll yeah. be messaging you oh this doesn't work and yeah they have to message someone but at one point i was getting like 100 messages a day you know what i mean like yeah on, on top of trying to bring money into the business yeah and yeah yeah that's not conducive no and do you know what how how did you realise that wasn't the best use of your time did someone tell you or did you realise it yourself I realised it very early on like, okay. I was like this you're, is you're not on. I, it was literally just like I just hate messages even my friends I don't reply to my friends messages or emails or what same. I'm a bad friend no same but it's it's like the biggest drain of my energy like, same like, yeah. I, like I I can't think of anything now there's obviously worse things to do <laughs> but I'm really my friends have to, try, have to try me on different platform so they'll ig me yeah and they'll be like the work. <laughs> i message i'm like i might reply an i message like great i've got her but i'm like oh you're applying too fast yeah <laughs> you're applying too fast let me add this email whatsapp i'm like oh um I'm, I'm like yeah i've got like probably over 200 other messages on whatsapp oh no it's like, too much even give, hearing that has given me a headache like you I, know know. I mean it stresses me out mm. <laughs> it's it's like all these platforms are amazing but yeah at the same time i was thinking about this today it's just become so hard recently because Mm. yeah it's great that you can have you know an email phone number business phone business instagram etc but all the channels that people can reach you on it is just too much noise like can we just go back to one thing yeah it's 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 definitely a lot i wish there was a way that maybe there'll be an ai tool for that to for AI tool to prioritize my emails because mm. sometimes I have to flick through and I'm like that isn't urgent but then I'll go through another email I'm like I need this should be up in my emails but because they sent it to me last week it's not so I wish there was an AI tool if there is one someone please share it with me there definitely should be I feel like there must be I feel like get ads for something like that I'm really? gonna yeah I definitely get send ads for something me, please, I'll find, find one it. yeah I, I really appreciate it. so you don't need to go out your way but if you see it then send, then send it I will to me. see uh, I definitely will yeah because yeah. I've, I've it's come up so many times and I've been like that looks interesting but I've never actually clicked on it I think it's called yeah. like motion motion motions come it, up is it that one but so motion do you know what I don't know if motion prioritizes your inbox i know it prioritizes your calendar and it shows oh like move stuff around yeah. and stuff like that okay so it might be worth um it's, it's worth a try to be fair i know they have a free trial so it's worth a try but it's again the time to sit down read exactly it, it just out. all this shit it's like oh, endless into my time but, but um, <laughs> so okay cool so babes on wave so we can have um we have the community we have the workshops that you do um, what are the workshops and the I guess the learning what is it geared towards and, and what type of individuals or women should be joining your community so we say that the three kind of main profiles of people that we have come to us so we've got founders so mm-hmm. that can be service or product founder it's just you want to grow a business and you're looking to scale um, so you come to Babes and Waves either to grow your knowledge like mm-hmm. watching you know workshops on automation or marketing or whatever or you come to network in an authentic way and to get opportuni- opportunities essentially um, so that's founders and then we've got creatives so we've got people who are like DJs or designers mm. and with these they, they kind of correspond to the three tiers so with mm. these people I say I personally don't don't see I I, I'm, I'm, I would say I don't know if there's any point you doing I probably should be like selling but I'm like I don't see any point you doing the highest tier because a lot of the workshops aren't necessary aren't really necessary for you maybe automation yeah you, there's definitely value there and streamlining your workflow and your inbox and how your client load mm. but for me I'm like for you for those individuals it's more about the community and it's mm. more about you know n- networking with like the founders who then like hire them for their jobs like we have mm. this one amazing member Shar mm. her beauty brand Moihoods oh my god it's amazing it's like traditional Chinese medicine um, and skincare 
and she relaunched recently and she hired like djs um designers like every all the staff mm. press mm. um talent everyone was from the community and so it's like that feeding back so yeah, yeah so it kind of like works and then the third kind of profile we have are community builders so probably people like yourself yeah. who want to grow their audience and grow their network but again like in a way that's not just like follow my instagram page like yeah no, no, no. yeah <laughs> got time for that yeah <laughs> we, we, honestly no. valuable exactly right perfect i love that i really really love that and then obviously people can find that on babes on waves yeah dot co dot uk is it dot club so dot club. someone i had a call today with someone like some government type person don't even ask and then they were like um i was a bit unsure about the alignment between us and babes on waves because i went on your website and it's just pictures of girls surfing because there's a surf cr- club in america called babes on waves and they've got babes on waves.com so he was like looking on this surfing website and he was just like i don't know the alignment between this and like this random like uk government i don't know what they do like bullshit and i was like it's not club babes (laughs) it's cooler (laughs) no it is and the thing is i love that um when i went on your website and i read through it actually i really love the tone the brand tone of it did you write it yourself so my friend did it the copy who's a copywriter amazing copywriter called katie ramsing she's a brilliant copywriter is she available for hire yes she is available for hire please connect me with her because i would 100 percent recommend her yeah no her, her copy when i read the copy I said, this is the tone that I love. Mm. It's relaxed, it's authentic, it's informative, it's concise. It just tick, 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 tick. I really, yeah, do connect me with her. Will do. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I saw that you had a campaign um, in Piccadilly. Thank you. Part of Guap. <laughs> you know what? How like, did it come about? What, um, 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 what was it? That's amazing. Valor, it's amazing. I don't know it's going to happen, really. Like, it's so funny. So... It was part of Guap's like 30 under 30 blacklist of oh, last kid. year. And it was like a shoot and it was, I knew that they were going to be like, doing the pictures and stuff, but it wasn't actually until like the day before. And then they were like, oh, it's going to be on Piccadilly Circus, by the way. Do you want to come see it? And by this point, I was so tired. Oh, you like, didn't know. No, I didn't know. And I was like, it was like, you know, like December, everyone's fucking tired. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was supposed to go see my boyfriend in Wales like at 9 p.m. that night and I was like I'm not even gonna go to see it I'm just gonna go to Wales and my friend was like are you mad like you're not gonna go see it on Piccadilly Circus and then obviously I went and I was like oh my god imagine if I had missed this to go to Wales like no no disrespect (laughs) (laughs) but you know you're just in that mindset you're just like I just can't do anything but yeah it was it was great (laughs) that's incredible and they contacted you because they recognized obviously the work that you're doing and how you're doing it how did they find you did did you ask them so i think they they vote internally as a team so i think you people from their team will put people forward and you vote i think that's how it works i'm not quite sure but yeah it was it was unexpected but very grateful and the pictures look sick so yeah they did they look really good yeah i really like that you're very humble and candid i really appreciate because you've achieved a lot and i don't know if you ever take a moment and reflect you probably have and you've just been like you need to take a moment and reflect and be like wow i'm actually doing thank you like you've really mastered i guess like this is i don't know if it is a a six-figure business yet but it looks like that is the direction that it's going into Mm -hmm. um and you're doing an incredible job oh thank you shout you out man oh thank you it means a lot um yeah i'm sure you can relate it's just the constant go 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 makes it quite hard and i feel like it's the thing again of coming from you know being raised by a mother like nigerian immigrant mother who's worked so hard her whole life i think that's been really ingrained in me and 
it's never enough to do to do anything like for me it's like okay that's come in that's great I'm not gonna sit here and pat myself on the back I need to go to the next thing and that's what I'm trying to get out of because it's very toxic and it's why I've ended up like on the brink of burnout constantly I think Yeah. yeah take a moment always and just pat yourself on the back for small wins like I've learned that again recently as mm. well because I even this morning actually when I was on my laptop in bed I woke up on bed and my friend he was like to me he was like he was like Liz you need to take a minute you know like just take a minute just say well done to yourself I'm like do you know what I need I, I was doing that good last year but you need mm. to do more of it because I feel like it raises your endorphins mm. and it just it just makes you appreciate small things and even if you get a no that day it's you can take the no a bit differently because you're so it's about the journey yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. grateful for what you have accomplished as well so honestly shout you out oh thank you you know is there is there anything that we can expect this year from Waves? Oh, it's a bit up in the air at the moment but okay. there we are going to be having an event which i haven't released yet but it's going to be happening in four weeks about so look out for that okay I'm not sure when this is going live so we, we we can pull it live before the event it's like completely up to you because if not we'll have other events <laughs> no no but still um so yeah so i guess when this is released international women's day we've got something coming up or it'll have been in the past and is yeah. that only for members or for anyone it's for anyone okay, so international perfect. women's day every year we do well, every year second year but <laughs> <laughs> manifesting but um <laughs> it's always a public event for the community perfect and then yeah we've got a few things coming up so just watch the space keep an eye on the page sign up to the newsletter all yeah. that stuff yeah how can they sign up from the website just the website yeah or yeah or just from our insta if you go on our the link in bio you can click okay. on yeah but that's the best way thank you so much oh, almost yeah oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah thank, thank you, you so for much. having me it's been so nice this is why i'm trying to do more podcasts because i feel like i always have a nice chat you know like we were saying like you just get to self-reflect and meet someone new and hear about you know all the amazing things you're doing as well yeah thank you thank you for spending your time with me and being so open and yeah man you're doing sick so thank you thank you so yeah thanks everyone thanks for listening and feel free to share this episode with anyone that needs empowered empowered (laughs) that's what I'm trying to say all of the above all of the above if you need to be empowered anything empowered inspired um, then um, share this episode thank you everyone take care bye Mm -hmm.